Hello, Guru Fateh. Welcome to Shabbat of the Week. Thank you for being with us. My name is Manpreet Singh. Today, uh, we have a very special guest with me to uh, explain this Shabbat. Uh, Harinder Singh is with me. Harinder Singh, Guru Fateh. Varji Khalsa, Varji Ki Thanks for being with us um, to explain uh, this week's uh, transcreation. Uh, it is titled, Everywhere I Go, Beetle is Present, Always Enjoying Great Bliss and Play. So our format I know is a little different. I'll let you go ahead and read the uh, Gurmukhi version. Uh, then I'll go read the English, and then we'll talk about it. Sounds good. So this Shabbat is in Rag Asa by Bhagat Namdevji on Ang or page 485 of Guru Granth Sahib. And the original is as follows. Anile kumbh paraile udak thakur ko isnan karon bialis lakh ji jal meh hote bithal bhela kaay karon jatr jaon tat bithal bhela maha anand kare sadke la rahao anile phool paraile mala thakur ki hon pooj karo pehle baas lai hai pavar bithal bhela kaay karon anile dood ridhaile khirang thakur ko naived karo pehle dood bitareo bachra bithal bhela kaay karo ibha bithal ubha bithal bithal bin sansar nahi aan thanantar nama pranva pur rayo tu sarb mahi bring a pitcher and fill it with water for bathing the deity but 4.2 million creatures live in the water how can beetle exist there everywhere i go beetle is present always enjoying great bliss and play reflect bring flowers and string a garland for worshiping the deity but the bumblebee has already taken the fragrance how can beetle exist there bring milk and cook pudding for an edible offering to the deity but the calf has already contaminated the milk how can beetle exist there here beetle there beetle there is no world without beetle namdev submits you are totally permitting the universe all spaces and interspaces okay and just as a note here uh the deity they're referring to in jain and vaishnav tradition but all pervasive for bhagatanamdev so her in the great transcreation uh please let's go and uh explain some of these stanzas in your words sure i think the we need to contextualize the word beetle firstly here because it is repeating here quite a bit and i think it will give us um religious and cultural context of pagat nam dev ji's uh, cultural milieu as well as an own um, sort of evolution in his relationship with the divine so beetle word is actually a marathi word marathi word itself is called bithal and it is actually from a area um from a region called sholapur but a specific place called pandarpur where there is a particular murti or a deity and interestingly this particular deity which is called beetal or bithal or vithal depending on uh which tradition you are coming from you know the jains believe uh that this is 
they call it Tirthankur, which is their tradition. Interestingly, this deity also has uh, certain forms or uh, visible features which have to do with Buddha. And then uh, people within the Hindu fold of the Vaishnavite tradition, they are the ones who really worship this. And what uh, used to happen was uh, in Pagat Namdevji's uh, earlier worship modes, he was the follower of this particular deity. And at some point, when he, he transcended the deity itself and became the lover of the divine or the all-pervasive, as we call it. So uh, we're seeing two things here. One is that Beetle actually is a physical manifestation, a deity, um, uh, uh, from a Maharashtra or Marathi word. And then uh, Damdevji has gone from worshipping the deity to worshipping the divine. And that is the interplay or the context of this particular Shabad. So uh, because this word repeats, it's important to know uh, this particular element. Now, there are theories uh, for example, uh, you know, sometimes the Shabbats, they say, is in a particular context, although the message is for all time. So one of the understandings is that once Namdev had left the uh, worshipping of the deity, he was asked, hey, how come you don't do that anymore? And that's what he's explaining here, that what is beetle to him now. So with that context, essentially, you know, this is a how line with four stanzas. So in the Rahau line, he's basically saying, I now see yeah, Beetle everywhere. Beetle is not in a particular space or a place or a region or with a Jain, Hindu, or Vaishnavite traditions, but actually I'm seeing Beetle everywhere because Beetle is, can be seen because the love or the worship or the relationship has transcended beyond a particular deity. And, and I enjoy this beetle everywhere who itself is enjoying all the interplays of the world. So that's the Rahau line. In context of that, the first paragraph actually says, now this has to do with all the worshipping modes. Because remember, uh, even today, if you have you know conversations with the religious folks, there's always this thing about how to keep everything pure, how to serve the best things to their whatever their worship modes are. So in the first paragraph, they're saying, well, let me just gather some water to give a, a bath to the deity. But if I pick up a water, according to the Hindu scriptures, there are 8.4 million species of life, and of this 8.4 million, 4.2 million live in the water. So he says, if I bring even the water, which already has these species in them, how can I... So the line repeats is, Beetle bhala kai karo. And this is a line which I'm going to keep repeating every time. He says... What can I do to the beetle with it? Because beetle already exists there. So in the earlier part of his life, the beetle was the deity itself. And now he's saying, but the beetle is already in the water and the water is already being consumed by these 4.2 million creatures, according to the Hindu Shastras. And in those 4.2 million, the beetle exists too. So how can, so he's rhetorically asking, what can I really offer the beetle? Because beetle is already enjoying those things. And in the second stanza, he talks about, let's get some flowers, let's create a garland. But the flowers have already been tasted by the bumblebee. And then he says, hmm, so what? Because the beetle also is in the bumblebee. So beetle coexists already. So I don't need to offer anything because the beetle is already enjoying this. 
And the third part, and these are the traditional modes of worship. So he says, let me get some milk and let me make some kheer. Naved is a term for that, yeah. Um, and then he says, but wait a minute. Uh, the calf has already touched uh, the milk. So how can I offer this? Was his earlier mode, but now his other now new mode is, well, beetle also exists in that milk and in the calf and the cow itself. So it's okay. Beetle exists in all those places and beetle is already enjoying it, so I don't need to do this anymore. And then he concludes in the last paragraph, beetle is everywhere, here and there. There is no place where the beetle doesn't exist. So uh, essentially what he has done is uh, he's basically taken out this whole idea of worshipping a particular icon, to put it in today's context for me, an icon or a deity or what we will say individualism, even if we worship, and has transcended that relationship to what a Victor Hugo might call, for example, that we have expanded that love to the whole universe and not just kept it to a particular individual. Um, so for Pagat Namdev, in his development, he has gone, he learned a lot, as we can say. He developed his relationship with the beetle as a deity, and then he revised the term beetle. He says, well, this is not just about a specific individual or a deity, but this is really about the world. I get it. I get it. But then I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm sure this still happens in India today. Well, this happens uh, everywhere, not just in India. It happens actually in non-Indic traditions as well, yes, because this is a popular practice of worship mode. Yeah, so, you know, when people are doing this to please whatever deity, you know, icon, person, God, whatever they believe in, so if it's not by bringing them things or... Um, then how do you please? So I guess in the Sikh tradition, then how do you, uh, I don't want to say worship, but then how do you love and how do you please the Konkar, let's say? Yeah, well, he he actually, if we just go by this Shabad itself, uh, let's contextualize Pagat Namdevji a little bit. Firstly, he was not even allowed to worship these deities because he's of the, uh, from the Varnashrandaram or popularly what we call caste system of the lower, so-called low caste. So firstly, he had to fight a right to worship. And then when he is worshiping, he's realizing, you know, this is just a big game and I need not fix myself to this game itself. It's similar to a couple of weeks ago when we did another Shabbat of the week. It had similar ideas. So when we look at it from that perspective, that firstly, he gets a right to worship in the way which was exclusively reserved for the upper classes or upper caste of the Hindu tradition. And then while going through this, he transcends that saying, no, I will not do this again. So if we apply this to Sikh tradition today, or those who follow Pagat Namdev, including, um, you know, the tension which has been created in several years between the Sikhs and exclusive followers of Pagat Namdevji, they both are actually missing his idea. And his idea was that the caste, the background, and the worship mode are actually immaterial once you start to develop that relationship. When you are at the early stages of the relationship, they do create some tensions, and you might be fighting for what we now call equality. But actually, 
uh, as you uh, get deeper in your relationship, what you realize is that equality is not really the issue. The centrality is transcending all the definitions and standards which have been created by uh, seemingly religious men. And that remains the problem even today. And the tensions exist because the standards are being created by the current religious sounding or religious looking men of each tradition. And those standards need to be broken uh, in order to transcend the relationship with the divine. I understand what you're saying. So if we take this down a level, let's say, and, and, and you do this pretty well, so I'm asking you, if we take this down a level and how, how, we, how do we explain this Shabbat and what it's trying to say, convey to someone, you know, in third or fourth grade? Well, and as I say, we are all in kindergarten when it comes to developing relationships. So this is essentially saying, you know what, I, if you if you like Pagat Namdev Ji, if you like what he's saying, he's basically simplifying. He's like, been there, done that, it's not worth it. And what really matters is see the divine, see the Kuankar everywhere, get to that level, then the worship modes, the ideas of purity, ideas of offering, none of those will matter to you anymore because all those are constantly being changed by people who are in charge of religious activities because their purpose is to control you. Their purpose is to keep you busy in those worship modes and they remain the exclusive determinant uh, of uh, how to be with the divine. And what he has done for us is, you know, you can try all these modes. I have tried them. But once I developed the great relationship, uh, I've left them. So uh, when I have to say, let's say, explain this to my kids, I, I, my focus is, Pagat Nam Devji wants to see Beetle everywhere. And we are not going to see Beetle or Ikhwankar or the Divine um, by doing prescriptive or assigned worshipping of the divine. So for example, and I'm going to use one more thing here. You know, sometimes we learn with individuals or through individuals. And what he's essentially saying is you can learn from certain of some of these ideas, but don't get fixed to that individual because you need to take your great relationship even with the greatest individual, in this case, deity, and expand it to the entire universe, and that's when you really see the divine. So let me bring it back to what I see, and it's probably my last question. What about when uh, we go to Gurdwara, and and you know Guru Granth Sahib is there in the divan, and you know we matadek, we pray, and you know, and I, I think I've heard you in your lectures too. We used to love the Guru, and now we're worshiping it, and now it's different. But just the same concept of people bringing things to uh, decorate the Guru Granth Sahib and people bringing all these like fancy Ramallahs and things like that, but we're not actually getting the message. Could you? Is that relatable here or no? Of course it is because if uh, and it's entirely dependent on the individual how they treat Guru Granth Sahib, and there have been articles written about this. Uh, by including by Pairanthir Singh, for example, and others. And there's a lot of discussion on this. At what point does the worship become idol worship, right? Uh, and I think let's go back to the Shabbat to answer that. 
That's the Rao line, actually, and that's the beauty of it. He says, Jatr jau tat bithal bhaila. So let me actually explain the word bhaila here a little bit. Bhaila has two connotations. Bhaila means paya hai, which means exist. I can see it, I can feel it, that idea, existence, the identity. And then it also means as a secondary meaning, uh, the one who is your beloved. Now, look what he's saying. This is the Rahul line. He says, wherever I go now, all I see is the existence of the beloved beetle, not the existence of the deity beetle. And not just the existence, but also Maha Anand Kare Sadkela, the one who is enjoying it. Kale is, you know, there's, there's another term in, uh, in Sikh parlance called Choja. Generally, it's used uh, in context of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, which essentially means his plays, which means how he lives, how he deals with situations. It's like uh, having fun is what we will call it in today's vocabulary. So Bhagat Namdeji is actually saying, you can actually, either you can get worked up about how to treat a valuable entity, whether it is from a Romala angle or feeding angle or Pog angle, it depends on Sikh and non-Sikh parlances I'm using just to make it you know, more universal. He said, you can, either you can get worked up about how to deal with whoever you worship or you can start to see the one you worship everywhere and not just everywhere in terms of some light occurs you know, in some supernatural sense, but something, a force which is operating everywhere. So, Bhagat Namdevji, when he starts to see this force operating everywhere, that's when he says, ah, now I know what a beetle is. Beetle is not that particular murti sitting in a particular region, in a particular temple, belonging to a particular kinds of people, rather the beetle which is operating as the force in the whole universe. So applying it in a Gurdwara sense and coming back to what you asked, it will be more like when the six, the ones who claim to be six, feel the Shabad operating all the time. They are seeing a Kuankar, they are feeling a Kuankar. If they only continue to do particular worship modes to Guru Granth Sahib, that is not feeling the Shabad. That might be the necessary element they go through in the context of this Shabad as Pagadnam Devji is going through uh, with, the, with the beetle. But if you don't feel the Shabbat everywhere, if the Shabbat is not operating in you regardless of what you are doing, where you are sitting, what particular situation you might be in, then you have reduced the worship to the only the protocol's idea. Wow, that's truly amazing because now it's clicking to how, you know, everybody says Bani is universal and it's, you know, it's timeless, it's for the ages because it was happening then when Bhagat Namdev wrote this and it's still happening now. So it's useful then and it's useful now. It's actually pretty awesome when you think about it but um great harinder this is uh we uh, definitely appreciate uh you being here in the transcreation any final thoughts well i think in 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 today's context i will say because a lot of controversies are being brought up regarding pagat nam dev ji uh, i just want to mention as two reminders that he is very much included as part of guru granth sahib uh, by Guru Arjan Sahib's authority. And I don't think 
as six, we can challenge why his money is included. And secondly, he is one of those radical bhagats whose life, like the lives of several gurus, shows transcendence or lifestyle changes within this life, within his life on this earth, that how they, use, they have themselves gone through different modes of worship. And until the expansion occurs, until the relationship becomes deep, regardless of your backgrounds and regardless of which religious traditions you grew up in, until you expand yourself to those newer heights, you're not going to feel the divine. And our job is to feel the divine right now within our own lifestyles, within our own churja, within our own plays. And that's what he demonstrates very graphically, both in the classical sense of the worshipping, as well as very radically when it comes to the politics of how he was dealt with by the establishment of his time. Great, great. And before I let you go, I'm sure listeners want to know too, what are you up to? What's happening with you these days? Any writings coming up? Yeah, well, uh, actually, uh, I have a travel coming up. Uh, Sikh Heritage Month programs are going on, and uh, Sikhri is conducting several programs, and six, seven of us are doing different workshops in Toronto this month, and I'll be conducting two of them as well for Sikh Heritage Month in Ontario. Great, great. Harinder, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Uh, appreciate your time. Um, hopefully, we'll chat again soon. Okay, thank you, Manpreet Singh.